Nobody likes hypocrisy. Nobody likes hypocrisy. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. And when a person is a hypocrite, they're hard to be around. And it's really hard when you know the hypocrisy. And so when you know somebody is saying one thing that's inconsistent with the way they live, it's just really difficult to uh, to process that. And so Jesus warns about hypocrisy. And, and I think the the most probably the most difficult or the most damaging hypocrisy is when Christians are hypocrites. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to define hypocrisy. We're going to talk about how to guard against it and, uh, and, the, and the effects of it and why it's so destructive. So stay tuned, and thanks for joining in. Welcome to No Sanity Required, from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. So I'll tell you a story. One time I was, uh, I was riding down the road with, uh, this, was, this was a family member, and uh, it, it was a family member who was older, a couple generations ahead of me. I was a young man. And I was zealous in my faith. I was a young, new Christian. I'd been a Christian probably three or four years. And I was in my, I don't know, somewhere in my 20s. And I I know a lot of people in the family, in, in my extended family, had prayed for this gentleman for years. And there was kind of this understanding that that he wasn't going to follow God. He wasn't going to follow Jesus. He he didn't have any use for Christianity. And, and uh so I was curious about it. So I, I had a conversation with him. The conversation was twofold, kind of had two objectives. One, I genuinely wanted to know, like, I, I was pretty, because I was young in my faith, I was pretty just black and white, you know, just, which I appreciate that about young Christians. They tend to be kind of like small children, just say what's on your mind, you know, and uh, little kids will say things and you're like, whoa, that's that's really bold or really funny. And young Christians will do that sometimes. So I think that's where I was at. So I just asked him, hey, man, why don't you follow God? Why don't you follow Jesus? Why Why do you – or or I think – and I think I asked him something like, has there ever been a time – was there ever a time in your life? Because a lot of people will say, yeah, well, you know, when I was younger, I, I made a profession of faith, and that was my granddad. My, my granddad and my mom's dad, who all of us grandkids were really close to, is a, a bunch of grandkids, and we're all really close to, really close to him – and he was, uh, he he was always object of my mom's prayer and and several you know everybody prayed for for Papa and then it was late in his life that I think he had a a genuine like renewal or regenerative work of the Holy Spirit that happened in him and in him when he was like almost eighty years old and I remember asking him about his in his younger days and he said yeah when I was like twelve I I went down at this church tent meeting or something, which would have been in the great depression era, you know, and he got baptized in the Creek and, but he never really followed the Lord. And so anyway, that's a story inside of a story. So back to this other conversation, I asked this older gentleman, Hey, was there ever a time when you followed Jesus? He said, no, not really. Never did. And he said, uh, he said, but you know, I'm in a, I w- I've been in this hunting club for the last 40 years. I think he's part of like a, one of these hunting, like a, a group of guys that join a club and they've got a clubhouse and, and maybe there's a pond or a lake and you can fish and during hunting season, everybody hunts together and guys are always hanging out there. And 
I've been to these places and they can be wonderful places of fellowship. You know, anywhere you got a group of guys together, it could be awesome fellowship or it can be just straight debauchery. And, uh, so he started telling me about how these men that would come in the hunting club and drink and carouse and watch pornography and live the same life that he was living. He's like, man, I'm not a Christian. I don't go to church. I don't need it. I don't want it. And these guys are all, you know, one of them was a deacon at the church or, you know, he, he, he kind of walked through these guys who are Christians. And then he said, if that's Christianity, then, you know, why bother? And I think we've all had some sort of a situation like that. You know, we've all talked to people who their reason for not following the ways of Jesus and for not embracing the gospel is they had a bad experience with someone who professed to be a Christian. And they said, man, if that's Christianity, then I don't want part of it. And I, I don't want to get into this side of this in this conversation, but I think that's kind of a cop out a lot of times, like, like as often as not, it's just another way of saying, I don't want to surrender my life to God. So I'm going to come up with an excuse, but there are times where people have been genuinely hurt and damaged. I mean, I can think of, uh, of people that we've counseled in the ministry here who someone hurt them who should have been trustworthy. Maybe it was a sexual abuse kind of thing, or maybe it was just control and domineering and, and, and like abuse of power. But anyway, turn them away from the church. And so maybe it was a, a parent or a, a pastor, a youth pastor, or a family friend. And so we, we certainly, we've all had those experiences. And what we would say is, Man, that those people are not representing Christianity. There are people that creep in. There are wolves among the sheep sometimes. And so true Christianity is going to look like Jesus. It's not going to be perfect like Jesus, but people who are really striving to follow Jesus are going to are going to live out those principles. They're going to love well. They're going to forgive well. They're going to have humility. They're going to care for others. And so that's what genuine Christianity looks like. We've seen hypocrisy in, in other areas of life too. I mean, think about politicians. Like when I was, I remember when, when I was, uh, I don't know, I was probably a teenager. This, some of y'all remember this, like in the eighties, but the guy that was running for president, uh, and like it was, he was like the front runner in the, in the primary for one of the parties. I think he's democratic front runner in the primary. Maybe it was Reagan's second, election and going against Reagan or maybe it was first Bush I don't remember it was in the 80s and a guy's name was Gary Hart and some of y'all remember that and he got caught in this scandal with a woman who wasn't his wife and he was in this affair and man it sunk that dude that dude's political career was over and you think man Nowadays, it seems like stuff like that doesn't matter. I mean, we elected a president, and I'm not coming down against Trump. Y'all know I, I said in, in the last episode that I'm voting for him, but, man, he is not a person that I want to model my morality after, you know? Like, that guy is known, was known uh, throughout his career as someone who was not faithful to his wives, and as he's been married, I think, three times, and, and so – not being judgmental there, just FYI, don't, you know, don't, don't read too much in it. I'm just saying we, we seem to have come to a place where we can tolerate that, that type of thing as a society, which I, I don't think that's good. Cause I remember this guy, Gary Hart, people were like, he's a, if you can't trust him with his wife, you can't trust him to lead the country, you know? And, and we're seeing some of that in the North Carolina Senate race right now. There's a guy that's running for Senator and it just came out that he's been having this affair. This I, I don't know. I, I don't know the details. I just caught the headlines, which is dangerous. I did listen to what Al Mohler had to say about it, so that was insightful. But 
uh, guy's name's Cal Cunningham, and he's running for Senate in North Carolina, and he's apparently caught up in a scandal right now. So we'll see how that plays out. But when politicians are hypocrites, we don't like it. You know, we don't like it. And it goes both ways, Republican and Democrat. You go back through the years, and if you're like, ah, I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican, that's a Democrat thing. Nope, 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 nope. Like you could literally, um, if you went back down the list of scandals in Washington, it's I guarantee it's 50-50. There's many Republicans as there are Democrats that have done it. So uh, there's no moral high ground there. So we just can't stand hypocrites. So, so all of that being said, what do we do to attack hypocrisy as Christians in our own lives? Because the one person whose hypocrisy I can guard against, fight against, keep from happening is my own hypocrisy. And, and so how do I, how do I live genuine Christianity? Paul tells the Romans in Romans 12, let love be genuine, let love be genuine. And that, that word genuine means unmasked. Let it be without a mask. Let it be what you, what you look at is authentic. What you see is what you get. There's no secrets. Let, let your love be genuine. And then, uh, so how do I do that? And then Jesus in Matthew 23, a very familiar passage of scripture, he just goes off on these religious leaders. It's called the, I think it's called the seven woes. It's like seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And he's just going off on these guys. He's like, woe to you, you hypocrites. And then he's like, blast them for something that they're doing that's hypocritical. Then woe to you, you hypocrites. Then he blasts them for something else they're doing. And he just goes off and we learn that Jesus hates hypocrisy. He, he loves a person who's genuine and he wants to see genuine Christianity in our lives. So I want to look at a, a, a place where Jesus addresses hypocrisy and it's in Luke 12. It says this, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. So Jesus and hypocrisy. So let's talk about this. So um, in this scene, you've got a, a big crowd. There's a lot of people. It says there's so many people that they're trampling on one another. So they're, like there's this big crowd of people, but then Jesus in the middle of this crowd speaks to his disciples. So I think it's important in distinguishing that hypocrisy is something that that Christ followers have to guard against. So like in Matthew 23, Jesus blasts the Pharisees, but in Luke 12, he's saying, Hey, you guys, you can fall into this too. You could become hypocritical. You're my disciples. It's the easiest place to become a hypocrite is when you're a Christ follower, because you, you can so quickly not live out the teachings that you say you adhere to. I, you know, I can do the same thing where it's so easy for us to not live authentic Christianity. So Jesus is warning the disciples about this. So let me give you some thoughts on Jesus's teaching here over the, just the, the next 10 minutes. Okay. So Leon Morris in the commentary on the book of Luke, here's his definition of hypocrisy, the practice of saying one thing and doing another, the practice of saying one thing and doing another. So that's, that's a good definition, super simple. And then Kent Hughes, here's a little bit longer definition um, hypocrisy means playing a part, engaging in a pretense. It demands conscious insincerity. It is a character sin, a moral deficiency, and it comes naturally to every one of us. Woo, that is intense. Let me read that again, the Kent Hughes definition. 
Hypocrisy means playing a part, engaging in a pretense. It's like playing make-believe in real life. It demands conscious insincerity. So this is interesting. According to Kent Hughes' definition, hypocrisy is something that you have to, you know, it's not accidental. This is So in other words, this is not, I made a mistake, where's the grace? Or I messed up, so could you throw me a bone, give me a break? You know, like, this is conscious insincerity. It is a character sin, a moral deficiency. It is a character sin, a moral deficiency. What does that mean? It means it's this is an issue of the heart. And he says it comes naturally to every one of us. Another definition might be making people think you are something that you are not. I think that's my definition there. So here's the hillbilly blue-collar definition. Hypocrisy, making people think you are something that you are not. So it's it's making people think that you're one thing when you're when you're not that thing. So this goes back to the Romans 12 uh, let love be genuine. The word hypocrite literally means to wear a mask. And like in the Bible, in the in the original languages of the Bible, the original texts where hypocrisy is talked about, that's what that's what it's a reference to. It's this idea of wearing a mask. And we get that terminology. Oh, goodness, of course, we get that terminology terminology right now. Everybody's wearing masks, um, which is uh, don't get me started on that. But. Um, the idea of wearing a mask in the in the time that this was written was in the old Roman theaters. Uh, you might have heard this, and this I think they were still doing this at the time of Shakespeare. But you would have uh, a stage production where all these people are in an, an arena and they're looking down on the stage, and the actors are playing out a play or a drama, and they've all got on these massive masks. So the mask might be the same size as your torso, and, and that's so people can see it. You didn't have cameras. You couldn't zoom in on anything, so people could see how the – so these big, huge, overgrown, distorted masks. He's like, for some of us, that we need to know that's what our Christianity is like. We're like wearing this big, huge spiritual mask that's like not even proportionate to our lives. And so – um, so that's that's kind of a, a cool but strong and, and convicting use of words words. And then Jesus uses in this in our text, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So what is leaven? Leaven is this. I don't know exactly how leaven works, but it's it's a yeast that you put into dough to make bread rise. Now, for me to make bread rise, I buy a can of biscuits and follow the instructions. All right. So. I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to get expert on you here, but it seems like leaven was something you add to the yeast, and as it works through the dough, it causes it to rise. So the idea here is that something really small spreads very aggressively, and in the end, it has a really big impact. So take a little bit of leaven, you put it in the dough, and it has this huge impact in the end. Um, the the and and I think that word that idea of leaven is used positively and negatively in scripture. Um, but usually it's more like what we see here. It's the idea that it spreads through a person's life in a destructive way. So he says that's like the leaven in the Pharisee's life is hypocrisy. So you add a little bit of hypocrisy, it has a devastating effect. It spreads. So so let's. Uh, I'm going to give you three lists here that will help us understand this. The first one is here's two reasons a person would become a hypocrite. Two reasons a person would become a hip- hypocrite. Number one. To make himself or herself look better to others. To make himself or herself look better to others. So that might be, um, 
I act one way that's insincere in front of the certain people because I want to impress them. Um, number two, to make someone else look bad to others, to make someone else look bad to us. I could be hypocritical to try to make somebody look bad to put somebody down. So either I'm trying to make myself look better or I'm trying to make someone else look bad. Those are reasons a person would become a hypocrite. So like that's literally, that's it. There's no other reason. Those are the two gains to make myself look better, to make somebody else look bad. So second, second question, what drives or motivates, uh, hypocrisy? So the first one are, uh, the first list was why would a person become a hypocrite? The second thing, uh, what drives or motivates hypocrisy? I got four things here. Number one, selfishness, selfishness, selfish people are going to be hypocritical. Who's selfish? All of us by nature, a good friend, uh, some members of our church, um, the grays, Andrew and Pam Gray just had a baby. And, uh, Andrew sent me, we, we've been texting back and forth and he sent me a picture this morning and, um, of their little girl. And I said, oh man, she's beautiful. Um, she's perfect. I think he said, she's perfect. And then I said, now she's depraved, but she's perfect for now. And we had a good laugh, but the idea is rooted down deep in every person is this seed of hypocrisy that, uh, or this seed of selfishness that can flesh itself out as hip- hypocrisy. So selfishness, um, number two, insecurity, a person who is hypocritical is an insecure person. So what's the answer for selfishness and insecurity? The gospel, well, I just press it into the gospel. The gospel makes me realize what I've been given and it, and it makes me realize what my identity is. So when I understand what I've been given and who I am, then that's going to drive out hypocrisy. Number three, a lack of grace towards others in my life. I need to see other people the way Jesus sees me. If I want to combat hypocrisy and hypocritical attitude, I need to see other people the way Jesus sees those people and the way he sees me. So the, so I, uh, hypocrisy is motivated by a lack of grace towards others in my life. Number four, a lack of grace understood and received in my own life. In other words, I'm not satisfied with who I am in Christ. I wish he had made me more musical. I wish he had made me four inches taller. I wish he had made me handsome or prettier, this or that. I wish he'd, I wish he'd made me more athletic. Why can't I be the star on the team? Why can't I be, uh, why can't I get that supervisor's role in that big, huge company vehicle and that big rate, you know, like work my tail off and trust that who I am in Christ fits into his plan and purpose for my life. So hypocrisy is, is driven by or motivated by selfishness, insecurity, a lack of grace towards others, and a lack of grace understood and received in my own life. And last, last question, what is Jesus saying about hypocrisy in the text we just read? Number one, we got to be cautious because any of us are capable of falling into hypocrisy. Because remember, in this text, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's in the middle of a big crowd, but he's talking to his disciples. So if they could become hypocrites, we need to be warned we could be hypocrites. Um, Jesus, Number two, Jesus is saying that hypocrisy is short-sighted. It's not something that looks down the road and makes a long-term investment in my own life or in my own relationships. Number three, it's the art. He's saying the art of being a hypocrite depends on the ability to keep some things concealed. Ooh, that's interesting. So in order for hypocrisy to work, I've got to keep people in the dark on things. And man, I'm telling you, the most comfortable way to live your life is, is in transparency. When you got things to hide, that's miserable. And so hypocrisy 
depends on my ability to keep things hidden. And and he says right there, everything's exposed before the Lord. He's like, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Like you can't hide it from God. So, so just like lay it out there, live, live in a transparent manner. Number four, truth will always prevail. Truth will always prevail. I need to know that ultimately truth is going to prevail. This is, you see this with someone who you find out was living like a, a double life and eventually it comes to the surface, you know, and people realize that they're a guy that's having an affair or a woman that's, you know, living a double life and has a boyfriend in another state or, or whatever, you know, like that stuff always gets exposed. And so hypocrisy um, will always be exposed. People are going to realize that I am, I am who I am. You know, I can't hide it. I can't hide my Christianity or, or I can't make it out to be something that it's not. Um, so truth will always prevail. Um, lies will always be exposed. Lies will always be exposed. That's four and five. So the art of being a hypocrite number. So, so let's go through the first five because my list, I've been told my lists are hard to follow. What is Jesus saying about hypocrisy in the text? We got to be cautious. Anybody's capable of falling into it. Number two, hypocrisy is short-sighted. It only thinks about the here and now. Number three, the art of being a hypocrite depends on the ability to keep some things concealed. Number four, truth will always prevail. Truth will always come out. Number five, lies will always be exposed. Again, truth and lies always be exposed. And number six, the last one, just know hypocrisy never leads to anything good. It's always destructive. It's only destructive. So the application, I want to read read this to you. I wrote this down. For me, the big lesson I must learn and be repeatedly reminded of is this. I can quickly fall into this hypocritical way of doing things, trying to make myself look better in the eyes of others at any cost. The answer to this is to live my life in a way that I only concern myself with pleasing and being obedient and faithful to the Lord. If I do this, I will be good to others. Let's live our lives. I think living my life in a, in a manner that I can say, you know what? I'm not perfect and I'm not going to stand before the Lord on my own righteousness, but I can stand before the Lord with my hands outstretched and palms up and receive whatever he has for me, knowing that I've at least lived consistently. I've strived for, for faithfulness and obedience, and I've not lived as a hypocrite. Let's just be real. The bottom line, look, I'm closing my notebook, putting it away. Just, just last minute, 90 seconds here. Listen, let's just be real. Let's love each other well. Let's care as Christians. Let's hold forth the gospel of Jesus, but let's also live lives that reflect it. Let's be consistent in the way we live our lives. Let's be faithful in the way we share God and his message with others. Let's live consistently in every area of our lives. Let's, let's be who we say we are, which is who Jesus says we are. And then let's live that out. Let's live the life that Jesus has called to live, one of taking up our cross and following him daily and shining forth the light of the gospel and loving people well. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, actually with Little, and Little had had a conversation with somebody. And the conversation was about adoption and abortion and fostering. And Little said, you know, I had this conversation, and it's it's interesting. Christians will make so much noise about abortion. They'll say things like, I'm a one-issue I'm a one issue voter. I, abortion, I, I want a president who's going to, fight abortion and I want this and that and this and, and, but then those same people that make the most noise and it's probably going to sting when I say this, cause it's a lot of our listeners, you won't lift a finger 
to help in the fostering community or to invest in a young girl who has a high likelihood of a teenage pregnancy. Like open your home, freaking open your life, man. Don't say you're going to follow Jesus and then wave political flags and toot political horns and be religious and then not be real in the way you love people. Nobody cares. You got a Trump sticker on your thing and make America great again, hat and a flag out there on your lawn. If you're not loving the needy and the destitute and the poor people need Jesus and they need authentic Christians to show it to them. They don't need hypocritical people who stay in their closed off houses that in their upper middle class world and ignore the needs of those that are dying without hope around them. So let's live it out. Be authentic. Thanks for listening to my rant. I hope it's challenging and helpful and Christ honoring. And so uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in to No Sanity Required. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.